Have you dreamed about opening a boutique since childhood? Maybe you have a store, but now you're ready to expand. Well, guess what? You're in exactly the place where you're meant to be. Welcome to the Boost Your Boutique Podcast, hosted by Emily Benson, retail boutique consultant, best-selling author, and a motivational speaker. In this podcast, you'll learn how to manage your boutique better, have balance in your life, and learn from experts who care. So whether you've been in the business for decades or you're just getting started, it's important to get help from someone who's been there and someone who's going to coach you along the way. So head over to BoostYourBoutique.com to learn more today. And now, here's Emily. Brittany Petrick, welcome to the Boost Your Boutique podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you for a couple reasons. But first, before we get into any of it, can you please introduce yourself, talk about your boutique, where you are, and kind of what you sell? My name is Brittany Petrick, and I own an online clothing boutique. Um, I've been in the online clothing space for about three years. But before that, I was an elementary teacher for four years, and I opened up Rosabella. I named it after my dog, Rosie, who was diagnosed with cancer, and she displayed a lot of vigor and determination throughout her fight of cancer, and it inspired me to just realize that I can do anything, and I have the power within me. And so everything that I do really has a meaning and a purpose behind giving back and having that drive through my inspiration. And you're in a pretty small town in the Midwest. Yes. Watertown, South Dakota. I love the Dakotas. (laughs) A little bit of a South Dakota accent too. (laughs) I love my friends in the Dakotas. You guys are like your own breed. I just love it. And I think, well, one of the things we've talked about so much too is like your boutique has become sort of a catch-all for your town too because you really don't have a ton of retail where you are that people can come shop at so people now you do have a brick and mortar that's not open as us recording this because of covid but you ran your brick and mortar boutique in kind of a different way than everyone else did too which we just have a lot to talk about so mm-hmm. let's go back to square one before we get into all this we're just giving everyone a preview so you started out as an elementary school teacher, how the heck did you start selling clothes? Where did that even come from? Well, I was first selling 31. It's like a tote bag business, um, MLM. And I was doing that and my husband saw potential in LuLaRoe because I was working my butt off and the commission wasn't that high. He saw a lot of potential in LuLaRoe and he's like, you could do that. So I looked into it and met with someone and I started. And then that just kind of took off and they were going in a different direction than I was comfortable with. And I knew that I needed to kind of branch off and do something on my own, be independent. And so again, with a lot of, (laughs) a lot of support from my husband and friends and family, encouraging me to be able to, that I know that I could be able to do it. I jumped and started my own boutique and here I am. (laughs) Did you know that you were going, I mean, I know there's a lot of teachers listening and I feel like, did you like not like teaching? I don't want to like put words in your mouth. Was it just, oh my gosh, this new thing popped up that I'm good at and I love it. Or were you unhappy teaching? What took you from here I am going to school every day 
to, oh my gosh, I don't want to go to school every day. What motivated that? There was a lot. Um, it, it, my side business, as you could call it, kind of grew and expanded faster than I anticipated. So that was definitely part of it. I, I came to a tipping point where my husband told me, you have to make a decision. You're running yourself ragged. You're working nonstop. I like didn't even see my family or him. So there was definitely that, but on the flip side of it, I was exhausted with teaching. It was emotionally, mentally draining. I was put on antidepressants and anxiety medication. I was seeing a therapist, nothing wrong with that, but nothing at all. But it was because of my situation needed to be fixed. I did not need to be on antidepressant medications. It was totally situational. And so I, I just knew I needed to get out and it motivated me once I saw the potential in my business and where it was going, I would tell my husband, you just watch, I'm going to retire myself from teaching. And he'd laugh. <laughs> and I told my dad when I was doing 31, I'm like, give me five years and I'm going to be out of teaching. He's like, Haha, yeah, right. <laughs> and now I'm just laughing. I'm the one laughing. <laughs> yeah, you are. So, you know, it's a case of probably teaching wasn't and where you were wasn't the best fit for you. And this beautiful thing came along that showed you that there was potential somewhere else. And the teaching, I loved it. Like I loved the kids. I love, I loved the kids so much and I do miss them, but it was all the other stuff, the politics, the admin, the stuff that you can't control as a teacher that just drains you. And I just, I didn't have it in me to do this for 30 plus years and retire as a teacher. Like there is more out there for me than this. I don't care about that retirement. I'll make my own retirement. (laughs) I mean, I think honestly too, just from my own experience in corporate working, it's the same thing, you know, like I think anyone listening that's in a job that's, they don't have control over that they have to show up at every day and that's getting really draining and not fun. We can all relate to you and saying like, go, we need that other thing. Like we got to get out of here. It's so awesome that you are where you are. So now the boutique is almost a year old, a little over a year. It was a year in January. You started online. You just straight transitioned to being online. And then what kind of encouraged you to open the brick and mortar piece of it. And can you talk about kind of how you were running that? I would love other people to understand that you don't have to be open seven days a week. Talk us through that. Cause I think it's just, you're so unique in how you run your brick and mortar. Oh, thanks. It is, it is very odd. <laughs> and we get a lot of questions about it because people think that we are open all the time, but we're not. So before I was running it out of my house, out of the basement of my house, and we had uh, two bedrooms downstairs and an entire, like what would be the den or the living space downstairs in the bar area. The bar was like my checkout space. And I would have people come over to my house. And it was quite intriguing when you walked in. Everyone was very surprised at how organized and well laid out the space really did work. But then it started to grow and more word caught on and it was great. But I mean, when we were going from 50 people coming over for open house, we called them open houses. Then it went into 120 people coming over to my house. And there got to be a point where my husband was hiding out and he couldn't even like live in his house for the four days when we were open. (laughs) And then my dogs were out in the garage. So it was just, it wasn't feasible anymore. And I just didn't like having that many people in my home. I'm sure your neighbors were psyched that you had a hundred cars parked outside too. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, they loved it. There were cars all the way around the block. <laughs> but it just got to the point where my husband was, again, he's always the one that's a little a step ahead of me. He was the one that was like, I think you need to look at getting a space. And I've always wanted to just work from home. So, and I love, I'm a homebody. So I love the idea of just waking up and going downstairs. But I knew that that needed to change. So we looked at some spaces. We, there's a retail space right on our main drag in Watertown definitely affordable and so we did it we got it <laughs> and i just decided i do not want to be open all the time like just because i have a storefront just because i'm on the main road doesn't and i have a big sign out front doesn't mean i need to be open all the time so we do six day open houses now before we did four day open houses and so we're open six days a month from i think we were doing i'm a little thrown off now with the whole covid stuff but i think we were doing like 10 to 6 Monday through Friday. And then like Saturday was nine to four, sometimes nine to five. It, that, that day kind of varied, but it was nice. Cause now I would do, or before all of this, I was doing about 60, 60 or 70%. Um, again, that varied of my sales in those six days. I really liked it, but now things have changed and I've resorted back to being mostly online again. And it's serving perfectly fine. So you just got to adapt. <laughs> yeah. Talk about adapting because I know at first, you know, you're in my mastermind. So we've been together since early January. We had really big plans for you this year in the store, you know, and then March hit and talk me through what happened with the momentum. How did that feel for you? Cause I think a lot of people just want to know that what they have been feeling is okay too. Walk me through like, okay, you have to close the doors. What's running through your head? Oh, there was a lot. Um, it, it was kind of a relief because then I thought, well, now I don't have to be around people. <laughs> so there was <laughs> definitely that. <laughs> but then the second thought was, it, it, it was sadness because then I started to realize as that sunk in how much I loved having people in here and seeing the joy and the energy of the people trying on clothes. It, it brought me so much joy. And now it's just become my new normal, unfortunately, that I'm, I've just gotten used to it. But it's been a roller coaster of emotion. Even my mindset, initially, you can actually, and I know you've seen it in my sales, you can actually track in my sales where I was trying to continue to do the same thing that I was doing before COVID, but COVID started hitting our area and my sales were starting to go down because the same thing wasn't working anymore. And then I hit that like low of where I was like transitioning into figuring out, okay, what are you going to do now? <laughs> and that's where my sales were just kind of like, uh oh, she's like trying to figure this out right now because <laughs> nothing is happening. There was definitely those two weeks in March where I feel like everyone was just kind of bugged out. Most definitely. And then it's until you get a plan in place, like you have to make that change in your own mind to feel okay with everything. And then it was the minute that I was like, okay, I can't open the door. So screw open house. It's not happening. Check, move on. Like then yep. I was able to just put the next thing into place. Okay. Now you're going to be completely online. Perfect. What are you going to do online? What are the new things you're going to launch? What do you have coming in? Oh, LA's closed. Great. And what now what go buy pretzels, like <laughs> <there's> <laughs> random stuff that I've been bringing in. 
sell whatever you can sell. And that's where you really stepped up. Like I saw you really change momentum and say, what do my people that follow me need? What do they want? And how can I get it for them? And that was pretty huge for a turning point for you. Yeah. And it, it definitely fulfilled my servant's heart too. <laughs> people really appreciated it. Like yeah. the masks and the hand sand. And I mean, now we've got like Karen koozies and like all sorts of just random stuff that people. Wine slushy mixes. Wine I mean, slushies. Yep. Soup. You sold Easter basket stuff for a while. Yep. I mean, you were just, okay, what can my people not get that I have access to? Let me figure mm-hmm. out how to get it to them. I think you did a great job pivoting and really just giving your customers what they needed in a time where I think we were all really confused. You kind of like snap back to it and realized I need to do my servants job. Like I am of service. And I think that's one of the beautiful things you do so well is realizing that you are a leader that even though yes, you're a boutique owner, you're still showing up to be in service of your customers. And I mean, that's why what last month was like your biggest month ever. Mm -hmm. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it too, though, is keeping it fun Yeah, because I I mean, when you're in the middle of a global pandemic, it's kind of hard to be like, oh my gosh, you guys look at how cute this shirt is. Everyone buy this shirt. Like nobody gives a rat's butt about your shirt. (laughs) Like they don't. So that's why I was like, hey guys, you want some wine slushies? (laughs) I know you're drinking at home. Let's make it more fun for you. I think you you have to be realistic about the state of where your customers are at, what their mental capacity is. And I think, you know, we talked about this on the call we had with your husband last week, but one of my marketing mentors said a couple weeks ago, you have to acknowledge what's going on. You have to in your marketing. But then you focus on how you can make life better for your customer or your client. How can you make life better? I think that that truly you are serving in like what you said, have fun with it, you know, have fun with what you're doing and also acknowledge that the situation sucks. And that's the other thing I did was I posted a lot of just, this wasn't anything new though. I've always posted like inspirational, like I start to feel things within my soul and then I just spew it into a Facebook post and, before you know it, everybody and their mother is liking it and commenting and whatnot. I'm super open. And I feel like that's also a lot of why I found the success I have is because like there is no hiding anything that I do with my customers. They know me, they know my family, not in a weird, creepy way. It's just a way to connect. And then they feel valued too. They feel that connection with me. Because I know just as much about them. You guys should all join Brittany's group because she really does share in a way that it just feels authentic. Tell me about your process around this. I've I've always struggled because I I don't know if you if you've ever mentioned this, but I've definitely heard other people say like you need to schedule posts, you need to make sure that you have so many posts a day and post about this. I've heard of people say like pillars, you choose five pillars and you post about, you know, I can't do that. I'm, I'm not type A enough for that. That stresses me out. I just have to post when I feel it. And sometimes there's and a lot of it is like, I'll get pinged. So if you watch my posts and you see what I'm posting, those are the things that I've struggled with or something that has really ticked me off that day. 
and I twist it. It's almost therapy in a sense for me because I twist it into a positive to inspire other people, but not in a like complaining way, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, I would agree with you. I think you're good at sort of finding the sunshine and the, mm, and the crap, yeah. you know, the crap that comes yeah. up for you. I think for a lot of people, when they just start out scheduling, gives them consistency and accountability. I, I also think there's a level of you just being comfortable doing that. You know what I mean? Like, did that yeah. come right away? Like, was, was that happening back when you were selling LuLaRoe or is that something that you feel is kind of new? It kind of evolved. I was definitely sharing when I was doing LuLaRoe, but it, it wasn't in the way that I share now. Because now it, it truly is like I'm just walking around the boutique or a lot of my best, <laughs> you're going to find this so funny. A lot of my best ideas come to me when I'm showering. And I know that sounds so dumb. No, it like, doesn't. Showering the, is the best meditation. Are you kidding? It's quiet. There's yeah. like a white noise. You can't talk to anybody. So you're stuck in your own head. No, showering <laughs> is the best meditation. I swear. It is amazing. Like I'll just be sitting there shampooing my hair. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh my God. And sometimes my husband, like I'll scare him. He'll be out in the bedroom. He'll be like, what? <laughs> Do you know that there actually are shower notes that you can get pens that work on a whiteboard that you put in your shower? Oh my God. No, I need to find this <laughs> because I so need it. <laughs> you need that. You really need that. I would ask you too, just like what was there a shift at some point? Was there like that moment of like, you know what, I'm just going to share and be okay with it? Or do you think it just did truly evolve from sharing in small ways to now sharing in a much bigger way? I think it mostly evolved. I, I also saw the connection, like I said, the connection with the customers and that it was really important for them to connect with me. I've also seen other boutiques that don't connect or don't share, or it just feels salesy, salesy, salesy. I mean, we've all seen that in some form sure. and I, I don't know that I just could never run a business like that. I, it, there's also like a formula too, for people that are starting out to like, you know, so many posts are your sale posts. So many are connection posts, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's about finding that balance too. But I, yeah, I think most of it just kind of, slowly evolved in yeah. me just being comfortable. <laughs> I can relate in a certain sense because I do feel like there are certain things people will say or post or ask questions about that I have this immediate reaction to that I'm like, oh, why are you doing that? You and I seem to connect on that. Like it's almost reaction and not in a bad way, but in a like, I'm going to react to what's happening. And that's sort of what keeps us both current and keeps us both on the precipice of where our, our customers, our clients are. You've given so much good advice. I would love for you to talk about what else, what other tips? So there's obviously people listening at all different levels. You're in my mastermind, so you're definitely at a more, what I would call advanced level in your boutique business, just in terms of revenue and reach and all that stuff, either for people at your level or you know wanting to get to your level. Besides authenticity, besides connection, what else do you think has been really big for you in terms of getting where you are in your boutique? Okay, so this is, this is the first thing that came in my mind, and I wasn't sure if it was good enough, but I think it is because I'm feeling really compelled to share. It's just to keep showing up. And I know that sounds so cliche, but I show up every day, every freaking day. I post at minimum five at minimum. And 
I mean, I'm not just talking showing up like in posts. I'm talking about going live, connecting with customers on email, marketing in email, Instagram, whatever you, and you don't have to do it all right away. That's very, that's very overwhelming, but just do some of it and find your groove with it. There was someone that shared when all this was going on with COVID and whatnot, and I hate to keep bringing it up, but someone shared how you need to be the person who is showing up for your customers because nobody else is right now and they need that consistency. So I've also found that in this time, my customers have turned to me. They've turned to my group. They've turned to my clothes, not in a unhealthy way, but just a way of coping and just having that connection during this time too. So I've also like, that's what's given me the reason to get up in the morning is people are relying on me. People need me right now. It's more, it's always been more than the clothes. I think that's also the big thing is it's so easy to get tied up into the, the systematics of, oh, what vendors do you shop from? And I don't care what it, you could go buy the same vendors as me. You might not sell the same clothes as me. Your vendors and your sizing and your customers are all going to be different because everybody's boutique is different. So don't try to copy someone. Go do you. Go buy what you like. Your customers will like what you like. Just be you and show up all the time and don't freaking make excuses. Oh my God, that is one of my pet peeves. <laughs> when you say you're going to go live at 7 p.m. on Tuesday, do not, for the love of all that is holy, post, oh my God, something came up. Oh my God, my kid, yada, yada. I don't care. When you posted that you're going live at seven, you're freaking going live at seven. That's what you're doing. You have no excuse because now you're inconsistent and your customer can't trust you and your customer doesn't know that you're going to actually show up when you say you're going to show up. Before we came on our call here, I got some koozies and I was going to post them. And then I was like, oh, I got to do this call with Emily. And so now I told my customers, I've got koozies. They're looking at them on Facebook, freaking out right now. They're not on the website, but I know before I go home today, I better freaking launch those koozies because they know it's coming. That's the big thing too, is your customers got to rely on you just like you rely on them. That energy exchange. If you're going to expect that energy from your customers, whether it's comments, likes, shares, money, you have to give them your energy as well. You have to show up. That's the thing that when we really boil it down, is there an equal energy exchange? Are you showing up and giving what your customers need? Like you're saying consistently, because if you're not, why are you expecting them to show up for you? They want to see your face. They want to hear your voice. They want to just be freaking friends with you, but you're not allowing them to do that because you're not. I think a lot of it, if I'm without being a complete jerk, I think a lot of it is laziness. I think a lot of uh, a boutique owners want to just post a shirt on a stock photo and sell it. They don't like, yeah, it freaking sucks. I stand in front of my camera and I take five different angles of pictures and I have to edit them and watermark them and upload them. And it takes all day and I hate it. But you know what? That's what sells my clothes. Gotta do what you need to do to get those sales. Not, there is no easy way. You know, no one's successful overnight. And here, I'll also throw a bone at the people who feel uncomfortable taking pictures, don't like to do Facebook lives. I get it. There are so many places that we judge ourselves and put ourselves in a position where we can make those excuses and get lazy and not show up because the underlying issue is our mindset sucks. 
we don't have confidence and therefore we're not being the best version of ourselves that we possibly can. You don't need to be a size zero. You don't need to have a tan all the time. You don't need to have the perfect haircut. People want to just connect with someone who is authentic, who's showing up as, as themselves. They really aren't looking at you as much as you are looking and judging yourself. The excuses can also just come from getting in our own freaking way and making silly judgment excuses. It's just a waste of our freaking time. This, but this is also the price of admission. When you wanted to be a boutique owner, that's part of your job is to put, like you sell clothes. How are you going to sell clothes if you don't put them on? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, yep. You sell cars if you don't want to put on clothes. You're totally right. Like pick something that you're excited to share about, to show off. And if it's not clothes, because you don't want to put clothes on, don't do it. I think you're a great example of like, you have worked so hard and you are getting to that point in your career where things get to be a little bit easier because you have shown up and you have, you've paid the price of admission a couple of times. And because of that, like you were talking about before, you have been able to be of service. You have been able to step up in a way to give back to your community and be a huge patron of these charities. But really, I would love for you to talk about the charity aspect because I think that is such a huge part of your mission and I don't want to gloss over it. Tell us how you got into the charity piece of it and how you kind of think about it. Yeah, so when I, when I was with LuLaRoe, I used to do fundraisers and we would do them for organizations or people who are going through something. And I would donate like $5 per piece that sold back to the charity or whatever. Well, then when I started this business with Rosabella, I didn't know how to make that work. Because before I would just do a live show, sell the pieces in the live show and it was done. Well, now I have a website and I have all this inventory. I'm like, how do you do that? So after some thinking and number crunching, <laughs> we decided to do what is we called charity of the month. So we pick a charity each month and we donate a dollar per piece that is sold back to that charity. And it's been wonderful. I mean, most of the time we're writing checks anywhere from 800 to over a thousand dollars. And last month we donated. It was like $1,200, like $1,250. Yeah. 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 It was, and it, we did that all in food cause it was for the food pantry. Cause we wanted to give back during this time with food being an issue for people that need it. And so, yeah, we gave a bunch of boxes of Mac and cheese and, <laughs> and cereal, but, and then we partnered with a, a grocery store. So the yeah. grocery store, match $600 of that too. So it was just insane. Like it's been so good and so fulfilling. And I have, I got one of those huge checks on Amazon. So we write the name of the charity and then I'll like, before COVID, we'd go and meet with the charity and take pictures of one of those massive checks. It's it really fun. <laughs> I didn't know you could buy one of those checks on Amazon. Well, you can buy everything on I Amazon. Know. I think the $1 an item is just so easy it doesn't kill your margin. It's not some weird percentage that you're trying to figure out. I would love for you to just, you know, since you've joined the mastermind, since you've kind of been working with me, I would love to just hear what do you feel like have been kind of the big takeaways just from either the group or from some of the work we've done together? So some things that I wanted to work on before the mastermind started, the main thing was streamlining systems and processes. I wanted to make them more fluid because it felt just a little all over the place and we didn't really have 
a specific system for certain things. It was just get it done and let's move on and try something else. So you've definitely helped with that. Um, making sense of the numbers on the back end. I remember that was one of our first conversations is I just felt like things just didn't make sense. Like I was selling a lot of clothes, but it's like, where's the money going? It like, there's all this business investments still that I was working on paying down. And it's, it, it was like, it, it wasn't adding up at the end of the month. And so you definitely helped with that digging into everything. And you even told me that a lot of boutiques feel like a hot mess behind the scenes. And I was like, see, Austin, see, we're not alone. <laughs> like we are a hot mess. Let's own it. <laughs> um, and then also teaching my husband to track the data and budget, kind of learning the spreadsheets and you've created like templates and stuff for him to kind of plug in numbers each month and through each day, actually, he plugs in numbers to kind of track and see where we're at and if we're on pace and and then the buying of the inventory to make sure that I was staying on track. Cause honestly, before it was like, Oh, this looks cute. Yeah. I could sell that. Buy it. <laughs> oh, that rack's looking a little empty. Let's buy some shirts. <laughs> like, yeah. I think a lot of people on the mastermind have said to me, I just love, they're like, I just love having a goal every month. Like before it was just some arbitrary goal that I was like, Oh, I just want to make X amount of dollars. But you've actually like, you know, one of the first things I do with you guys is review all your numbers, give you a plan for the year by month, how much you should be buying, how much you should be selling. And, and it just keeps you focused and on track. Like if you're not setting goals, how can you even build the systems to hit the goals? Everything needs to work together. So absolutely. Yeah, I'm a numbers nerd. So <laughs> Which I think well, you're you, kind of becoming too. I, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I am definitely a numbers cruncher. <laughs> um, so then the what has changed, um, number one is mindset. And that also sounds so cliche, but it is so important to have good mindset throughout all this because it is the littlest thing. Like when I open up emails and a customer is complaining about something, I have learned how to take a step back and just say, you know what? isn't my stuff. This isn't, this isn't me. This is her stuff. She's struggling with something and projecting it on me because at the end of the day, I know that I'm providing the best customer service that I can provide. And if it's not good enough for her, then goodbye. <laughs> like, let's just wash our hands. It's fine. And before that would ruin like my whole day, I would go home exhausted and I'd probably carry it into the next day. And when you have that, it does affect your sales because you can't show up as your, the best version of yourself. So mindset has been huge for me. Huge. Yeah. I even remember, can we tell the surviving and thriving story too? Cause I feel yes, like, I love that story. <laughs> I think I, I think I need to write about it in my next book, honestly, because you know, when you posted on our group, probably like late March, I want to go like find the post and screenshot it and like frame it on my wall. But <laughs> it was, it was really funny. Cause I remember it was like a late Thursday or Friday or something. And and you said, you know, I'm just happy to be surviving something like that in like a success. It was like Saturday success. And I was like, what? Surviving? Come on. Meanwhile, you're like crushing it. I'm seeing you sell a crap ton of stuff. Like you're just, you're selling the hands in it. You're, you're doing everything we've talked about this whole interview, you know? And I think I said to you something like, what if the universe is showing you this because you get to thrive now? you don't have to survive. Like you've done all the work and now you get to thrive. 
And that was just me like saying, hey girl, let's also, there's a different way to look at this. And I wanna show you how to look at this. And I feel like now you just talk about that all the time. <laughs> I <moment>. do. <laughs> I do. It was huge. It was just one of those like great connections where, I mean, how did you feel? Were you like offended at first when I, when I wrote that back? No, but I, like I told you before though, I distinctly remember we were in the Dairy Queen um, drive-through getting blizzards and I, and Austin was driving and I was reading that and I'm like, whoa, well, like it just, it, I couldn't, I wasn't offended. I just couldn't process it. Cause it was like a, the complete other side of where my brain was. And then I read it and I read it and I read it again. And then I was like, Austin, Austin, listen to this. And I read it to him and he was like, oh yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just typical guy. I'm like, no, Austin, it means that I can thrive. Like I'm, it is okay for me to be super successful right now. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. And I was like a freaking rocket ship and I just took off and it feel it still feels pretty good <laughs> sometimes especially when big things are happening in our environment we can really pick up on that energy and i think a lot of what covid has kind of made people think is we just have to be safe we just have to survive this that mindset it's okay if that's where you're at but you've worked your butt off for years to have this business that is allowed to thrive especially because you're doing all the right things. Like you're, you were pivoting so hard and showing up in such a good way. It made me like almost upset to be like, oh, she can not get stuck in that. She's worked way too hard to just survive this. Like, give me a break, Brittany. I think what you've proven to yourself too since then is that by you doing well, you're able to give money, you're able to give more, more back. Like you were able to give all that food to the food bank because you did so well last month. With more money, we get more power. We get the opportunity to help more people. That's the beauty of having your own business and being able to be such a great leader. And for us, like we talked last week, like for us, it's not about padding our pocketbook and like, oh, now our bit, because I think that's what a lot of people look at it, not... I'm not saying like people on the outside, I'm saying boutique owners, like they yeah. think more money, like boats and all this, you know, extra stuff. It doesn't have to be that way. Like you can still maintain living the same lifestyle. We're not getting a bigger house. We're not buying newer vehicles. Like we are just living how we do and we're making more money, but we're throwing that money either a back into the business or B it's going to charities. So it's a way for us to still give back and it gives us purpose. Now, if you want to like get a bigger house and you want to get a nicer car, like, Hey, more power to you if that's what motivates you. But for us, the motivation lies in the giving back and being of service. So makes it just a little bit more enjoyable on this ride. <laughs> I always think sometimes it is sort of a selfish thing to give back because it makes you feel really good too. I mean, it's help it's it helping people. Right. But like, <laughs> feels good to know that you can make a difference in someone else's life and mm -hmm. yeah most definitely I think it really fulfills my husband too because he comes from not not a poor family but um he grew up in like a rougher part of Rapid City South Dakota um with a like he was the minority he's white and he was the minority he grew up in the Native American population and I feel like this really fulfills him too, because we're able to do things like giving back and doing all of this. And it, and it, and it fulfills that, like, he hasn't forgotten where he's come from. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, like people from his home look at it like, oh, like Austin's still Austin. Like he's still true to himself, which in turn makes me feel nice too. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also kind of a nice thing to say, I've made it, I've made it, air quotes, and I can still be the person I've always been and I can still do good. Making more money isn't bad. It's that mindset around it too. You know, it's maintaining your humility and your graciousness and your giving back while you live your best life and do what you love. So the mind, so the mindset piece is obviously wonderful, but then what has changed um, since we've been working with you too is increased sales. My best month ever was last month. And that was double of what I normally did by myself before you. So granted, it might not, I might not hit that again this month. And if I do great, if not, that's okay. But like, regardless, my sales have been higher, even with the best month out of the equation. So there's that I'm more profitable. So I have higher profit margins and you've definitely been pushing me to mark my pieces up just a little bit higher, which also helps with that donating a dollar back to the charity. You do yeah. feel that it doesn't seem like a big deal, but when you start doing it consistently, you do notice it. And then I also have better sell through because I've really taken to heart what you've said about um, either it's a heck yes or it's a heck no. Like you just really either it's, there is no in between. You must love it. Absolutely freaking love it in order to follow through with it. So that's been a lot of it. And um, if you don't mind me also mentioning my husband, when we, before we start working with you, I love him dearly. I truly do. He tests me sometimes, man. He did not he loves believe. you so hard. He like, oh my he God, wants he's... to protect you. He's the ultimate. I will say I've talked to quite a few husbands and they, they get in the mix sometimes, but he, you can tell he has this very fierce protection of you and what you've built. And so I give him a lot of credit in a sense for really like making sure you're safe. And I think, I think a lot of women would enjoy having what you have, but you're a very headstrong lady. So I, maybe that's why I don't enjoy it. <laughs> that's probably why. You're like, awesome. I got this. Like I'm good. I'm fine. I'm so independent. I do not need him. I mean, I, I always tell him I don't need you. I want you. There's yeah. A that's a difference. big difference. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. My husband, when I first initially went to him, I'm like, I listened to this gal, her podcast, and he used to hear you like as I would listen to the podcast, he's like, who's that? And I'd be like, it's Emily Benson. It's like, oh, okay. She's kind of sounds like she knows what she's talking about. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, she's pretty good. I came to him and I was like, Hey, so she's doing this mastermind. And I told him about it. And he's like, um, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, like, I definitely think it's worth it. Cause it's a big financial commitment, but I knew that, I mean, we've had the, we've been more profitable. We've increased our sales. Like you have more than paid for yourself. I can tell you that right now, just looking at the things I wrote down. But yeah. It's, it's just wonderful. But he was so apprehensive to the point that he even called my dad and he's asking my dad what he thought. And my dad even had my back and he's like, yeah, I mean, it sounds like a good deal. It sounds like the next step you guys need to take because we were kind of at this plateau of trying to figure out where do we go next? And you've been that kind of that outside buffer that's been like, okay, this is what's working. This is what's not working. Do this. Don't do that. Look at this. Whoa, stop that. You're pointing out all these things that when you're in the middle of it, you don't see it because it's not crystal clear to you. 
But my favorite thing, and I have told so many people this story, was when we were on our first call with you, our first one-to-one call, and you were asking him about what he does for work, and he kind of puffs out his chest, and he leans back in his chair, and he's got his whole macho man business going on, and you're like, okay, so what do you want to do in the business, or what do you see your role as? And he was like, oh, I kind of like to take over, you know, some of the financial part, do some budgets and numbers. I'm really good with numbers. You know, that's what I do in my day to day. I constantly do spreadsheets. And he's just like, his ego was like way inflated. And that's so not like him. He's not that kind of person. He's one, one of the most humble people I know. And so he's just all like chest puffing. And Emily's like, okay, listen. And she just, you just like leaned in and you completely deflated him, but in the best way ever. It was amazing. You were like, listen, I've worked with a lot of people who work with numbers and yada, yada, yada. And until you know how boutiques run and you know the ins and outs of a boutique business, you don't know anything. Like you just like threw it at him. Oh no, (laughs) was I mean? No, you were great. It was wonderful. I tell so many people that story because I was like, yes, Austin got humbled (laughs) in financials. (laughs) I mean, he's such a sweet guy. But but you know me, I don't sugarcoat things and I've seen a lot and I, I hear a lot about the husband who with the best intentions and with the most love for their wife kind of control the finances, kind of keep track of what's going on. And I think you don't need to expect that from your husband. If it does work, get your husband to understand retail financials because they are different. They're not just QuickBooks and spreadsheets. All the retail math is almost like you needed another class in college and then a bunch of experience to really understand what to do with it. It's completely different. And before he used to tell me certain things And then it would just result in us fighting because I would be like, no, that's not going to work. And to him, it was just so black and white. And I'm like, no, there's so many gray areas. And he didn't understand that. So you've definitely helped that too, just because you're so transparent with how boutique businesses work, what this should be, how we do this. And now he's able to watch what you've modeled and replicate it in a sense that works for him. Retail math and inventory management is different than running a P&L statement. It's different than running a financial projection. It's just different. And, and it's hard for me to explain that, but it's really easy to model, like you're saying, and show, you know, cause I've got all the spreadsheets, I've got all the weird stuff <laughs> set up. I think that it's working for you guys. And I think on the last call I said, Hey, listen, Austin doesn't have to work for your business if it doesn't end up working out. That's the other pressure that we feel as, as strong powerful women who are doing really well in their business. We feel like, well, our husband should have to come work for us. What if your husband gets to quit their job and gets to do whatever they want? To me, I think, you know, it's 2020 people. It's not 1950. The wife does not have to stay home. Husband does not have to make the money. It can flip if woman is the one that's good at making money and that's her thing and she's killing it. It's okay if your husband wants to be a fly fisher or you know, make t-shirts or write books or join the local acting brigade. But I think too, for women to be able to come to that mindset that you just mentioned, it has to be, the, the men have to be okay with it too. Like I, I am the breadwinner of our household. I haven't always been, I was a teacher before, you know, but now I am and his salary could go away tomorrow. And I, I'm 100% sure that we'll be okay. 
not that I want that to happen. Let's, let's Mm. keep it there. It's comfortable right now, but he is also okay with that. Like he is not feeling inferior. He's just like, Oh yeah. Like my wife, you know, she does really well. Like I've heard him sell his friends that and it's like, Oh, it makes me feel really nice. Like it's not just some little side biz that your wife does, you know, cause some people talk it down, but he, he's very supportive in that sense that he doesn't care that I make more than him. He, he doesn't care. So I think if you have a husband that does care, then that doesn't really work. Totally. And I would say modernize that husband man. Yeah. (laughs) Or not our grandparents generation. (laughs) Get rid of him. He's holding you back. (laughs) Well, I think what you're talking about too, when, you know, it is kind of degrading to have someone call your business that you take seriously a hobby, whether it's your husband or, you know, your family, it doesn't matter who it is. You know, I never, I never like to not be taken seriously because I take my business dead seriously. And I think most people listening take their business dead seriously too. And so it's nice when you have your husband that's proud of you and Austin is fiercely proud of you and fiercely protective of you. And it's so (laughs) fun to watch you guys interact and, and, and watch you navigate all this together. You know, I think it's, it's, it's fun for me to watch. (laughs) Certainly I feel like I'm I'm a part of. Oh, I'm glad you find it fun because sometimes it's not so fun. <laughs> like you've said, it's like you find every every time you um, grow or your sales increase or something, you're always going to notice a little bit of upset. You know, it's just a little, it's just different to navigate every time that you've got something new thrown in the mix, whether you hire a new employee or you move to a new space or it doesn't matter. You never actually get it fully figured out because there's always something new coming up that throws a wench in it. <laughs> so Change brings discomfort and discomfort is not fun. Totally but it's right. just navigating it together and learning and being open and yeah. loving and kind. <laughs> I love you. Oh my gosh. Okay. So if there was one final word that you would tell people listening what to be thinking about in their boutique every day. Like when you wake up in the morning, what are you thinking about that motivates you that maybe someone else could grab onto to help them motivate them? How can I serve others? Like without a doubt, that's the first thing. That's what I follow every single day. It's not just being consistent, like I said before, but serving other people. And it doesn't have to be salesy. Sometimes you just have to be you and give them a dose of love. love That that. sounded super cheesy, but (laughs) I love it. Most of this interview has been really cheesy, but I'm cool with it. (laughs) You find that the cliche things are the ones that are true. There's a reason they're a cliche. It's so true. Well, I just know that your listeners love you and I love you. So I'm hoping that my cheesiness is spewed into that and they get me too. (laughs) I love it. Well, so tell them where can they follow you? Where can they, if you know, they want to check out your online shop, what are your links? We'll post them in the the comments, but you know, if they're on their phone, what can they just type into Facebook and Google? So either Facebook or Google, you could Google Rosabella Boutique and it's R-O-S-E-A-B-E-L-L-A. And then if you want to go to my website, it's rosabella.co. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. 
I know that so many people are going to get a lot out of this conversation. So thanks for being so authentic and just truly the Brittany Petrick that we all know and love. Thank you. <laughs> thanks for having me. What would you think if you had an exact plan of what to buy for your boutique for the next six months? How would it feel to have expert guidance with Facebook and Instagram ads for your boutique so you actually make money with them and a lot of money? What if I told you that on average, online boutiques that work with me grow two to three times their monthly revenue in six to nine months? Yes, it's not guaranteed, but that's the average. Listen, if you're making $25,000 or more per month in your boutique and you want to make more, you've got to consider applying for my High Vibe Boutique Mastermind. We have just adjusted the program to be a six month program because we're not doing in-person events as we previously did in other rounds. So six months with me from September through March of 2021, I wanna take you and your business that's already doing quite well and help you scale it, help you make more money, by running Facebook ads, systemizing your processes, and really getting that millionaire mindset going. That's a huge piece of it, but also getting some of these really low-hanging fruit things, like getting your plan right, having an open to buy that makes sense for your boutique business. We're gonna do all that. I'm gonna do it for you. I'm gonna teach you how to do some of it. This program is a no-brainer. It's by application only, and truly, guys, it's only gonna be for you if you're doing 20 to $25,000 a month or more. If, it's, if you're doing less than that, this program's probably not for you. This is the program where you will get a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with me. You'll get a very small group of 10 to 12 other people that are in your same situation. But this group fills up fast, I will tell you that. We usually sell it out within about two to three weeks. So if you are interested, get that application going right now at boutiquemastermind.com. We will be in touch with you within a day or two to get on the phone with me. We'll talk about the program. We'll talk about what you want out of it. Hopefully we'll get you in. I want you to know it's open. It will not open again until 2021. So get in the doors. Let's make this the very best holiday season you've ever seen. as much as I did, head over to iTunes and rate and review the Boost Your Boutique podcast so more amazing and creative boutique owners like you can find out about it. And don't forget, head over to boostyourboutique.com to learn more.